Well, I got good news this morning, and that is Jesus saves. That'll never make a Pharisee real excited, but I'm telling you one thing. It sure gets Jesus' disciples excited enough to give their lives. And that is Jesus saves. Turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. I looked at Revelation chapter 1 last time, and looking at the importance of worship in our daily lives, uh, Revelation chapter 2 and 3 um, is the messages that we hear often as we go to churches and we hear about the seven churches that are in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. So I want to look at this more of as an overall. Um, I want you to consider a couple things. Um, who is the message from to the seven churches? Who is giving this message to the seven churches? And what three things was spoken to all the churches. Three things that was spoken from that someone to all the churches that all of them needed to take notice of. Welcome back, Patrick. It's good to see you here again. And blessings on Kenneth and Esteli. I thought there was an extra smile behind that beard that I thought something's exciting here. So, And Lord bless you. One of the things that he does say to all the churches, Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. <clears throat> he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Some people aren't going to listen. Uh, it's not saying, uh, there might be some people who don't have an ear, so they probably won't hear. It's saying, if you have a spiritual ear, okay, this is what you have to take notice of. Listen up is what he's saying. But what word is the word referring to when it says, what the Spirit saith unto the churches? Who is doing the speaking here? The Spirit is giving this message to the churches. The Spirit here is referred to as the Holy Spirit. And I want you to consider the name. I appreciate the thoughts of Zach Poonin on that matter. For eternity past and eternity future, the name Spirit of the third of the Trinity is always called the Holy Spirit. Consider the name given. I shouldn't say given. It, it just was. It always was and always will be. It is the Holy Spirit. Um, it could have been the loving Spirit, a Spirit of love. It could have been the joyous Spirit. It could have been a peaceful Spirit. But the word is Holy Spirit. I, I believe sometimes we can become over-obsessed with an attribute of the Holy Spirit and actually create a, uh, a situation where it's not just a thing where we can say the Spirit of love, it's always love. You never need to correct, it's always love. Somewhere there's justice of God going to come at the end of the world and judge cor- correctly. So somehow we have to bring a balance to these And the balance of all those attributes put together is that one word, I believe, and that word is holy. Holy Spirit. In our lives, is our lives led by the Holy Spirit? That's the defining factor. You are being more than just a religious person. You are being led by the Holy Spirit. It means you're being set aside for God's power, for God's use more and more as you live your life. I was in Reading, Pennsylvania, and there was a student that was in my class 
very interesting student. His name was Michael. Um, he went to a Pentecostal church there locally in the city of Reading. They had to relocate their services, what he was telling me, due to the floor shaking dangerously when the members were filled with the Spirit. Now, the floor didn't shake on its own, okay? Um, they got filled with the Spirit, and people in the congregation were jumping and dancing and actually causing the um, drywall on the ceiling in the basement to fall down. And they had an inspector come in, and the inspector rolled it unsafe for their activities. They, they have to find a new church. <clears throat> um, you know, I'm just a quiet little Mennonite, right? Who wouldn't? Why don't you just stay seated, right? Uh, you don't have to look for a new church. <clears throat> I asked Michael, well, did you think about telling them to quiet down and stop jumping? Stay at the same church. Or at least have a weight limit on who's allowed to jump, right? <laughs> That'd go a long way. I guess for ours, the weight limit is over nine pounds, right? Babies are allowed to jump, no more. <clears throat> this was his question. How would you know if they're filled with the Spirit then? How would you know if they're filled with the Spirit if there's not that sign of jumping and noise and, and carrying on, we would consider it? <clears throat> what Spirit are we looking for? Are you looking on a Sunday morning for a peaceful Spirit? Are you looking for a noisy Spirit? A jumping Spirit? Or are you looking for the Holy Spirit, someone who sets you aside more for the glory of God? Um, if you attend our church, we aren't looking for a noise, noisy or jumpy experience to mimic excitement. But this is the true question. If you spend time with the people, you will know if the Holy Spirit is present based on are they becoming holier? Are their living lives more set apart for God and following His Word. That's the bottom line right there because He's the Holy Spirit. So if He's dwelling in us, He's not going to allow that carnality to continue and fester in our lives. He's going to make us more holy. What kind of spirit are we looking for when we come to church? He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying unto the churches. Are we hearing what He's saying today? As part of the church of Jesus Christ, are we hearing His voice? Now, there's three things that the voice of the Spirit brings to each of these churches. <clears throat> and the first, I believe, is um, looking in verse 2, 9, 13, 19, chapter 3, verse 1, verse 8, and verse 15. And I believe the bottom line of what the first thing that Spirit brings to the child of God is what is called comfort. It's called comfort. The churches in Asia were going through very extremely difficult times. As we look at these churches, many were being persecuted. Not because of mistakes that they had made. Not because they were thrown in jail for something they did. These people were persecuted through no fault of their own, but simply because they were hated and being martyred for claiming the name of Jesus Christ. They were hated for that. And the Spirit came to them and spoke comfort to them, all seven churches. 
Verse 2, He says, I know. Verse 9, He says, I know. Verse 13, He says, I know. Do you think they ever sang the song, Does Jesus care when my heart is pain too deeply for mirth or song? Do you think they felt the pain and the grief of what they were going through in this persecution? I truly believe they did. Because they're human. And Jesus came with words of comfort and He said, Hey, I know. I see the works that are going on. I, I, I see it. I know. You can be assured that I know. Um, for all of us, I, I don't know, some of us are going through a battle, I'm sure. And sometimes it's the thing of, Lord, why don't you care? And the first thing He has to share with us through the Holy Spirit is, I want you to know something. I know. I know all about it. The temptation when the heat of purification is the highest is to think, no one cares and no one knows. And the message of comfort from the Spirit is, I know. Believe me, I know. Um, When we live outside of the comfort of the Holy Spirit, we will miserably try to endure. Um, we'll get grumpy um, because nobody cares and no one knows. We'll try to fix other people. We'll try to fix a situation. But what they needed to do is hear the comfort of the Spirit saying, hey, I, I know about this. I know your works. I know your patience. I see it all. You don't have to fix a situation. You don't have to fix what you're going through. Just understand, I'm here to comfort you. I know what it is. I see it. This is the defining part of a Christian, not becoming an emotional volcano. All of us have been there at times. Uh, Maybe you're not the emotional volcano, but you're the moody person, right? It just goes up and down. No one knows what's going on. And you don't even know what's going on. For us to be able to avoid that type of situation of becoming an emotional volcano is when we understand Jesus sees exactly and understands exactly and He says, Believe me, I know. Paul was at an extremely low point. Um, And if we question this, think of Stephen. What he was going through. Think of Paul. Think of John. Tried to boil him in a kettle of oil, but it wouldn't boil. But he was thrown on the Isle of Patmos. You would think, I'm by myself. There's God, do you see? Do you care? But here comes the words of comfort by the Spirit telling John, John, I know. I know. Paul was at a low point, and There was a riot going on. That would have been incredible to be there. He was in the middle of the riot. People were hoping to kill him. Not just maim him. They were hoping to kill Paul. Not because he did something wrong, but because he preached Jesus Christ. And Acts 23.11 In the middle of all that chaos, it says, In the night following, the Lord stood by me and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for thou hast testified to me in Jerusalem. So thou must bear witness also at Rome. Paul, you're in a riot. They're trying to kill you. Things are going wrong. It's all haywire. But I want you to know, Paul, be of good cheer. 
I know all about it. In Philippians, he gives an incredible command. In nothing. In nothing terrified. In nothing terrified by your enemies. Which to them is an obvious token of perdition. There is something wrong. When fear is terrifying us, there is something wrong. Hear what the Spirit is saying. Comfort. And I believe comfort, if we truly sense the Spirit, Holy Spirit leading us, He will comfort us and that will give us power to live a holy life. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. I appreciate, and I, I don't know why, Dan, but I heard you preach on 2 Corinthians 1, and I always associate these verses with what you have experienced in losing a spouse and being able to comfort others by the Holy Spirit speaking through your life. And this is still in the word comfort. He says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. You become a powerful instrument in God's hands. When you experience comfort, personal comfort by the Holy Spirit ministering to your heart, even in trying circumstances. The second thing that the Spirit speaks to the churches, these seven churches in Revelation, is the word correction. How many of you like the word correction? Nobody. Most of these seven churches were doing phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, They were getting just about 100%. Incredible. Shouldn't the Spirit have just given them encouragement? The look on some of your faces says, yeah, no correction. We should skip this point. Is this the place for correction when they're facing difficult times, even persecution? These people were had their necks on the line. These people were facing heat that we don't even know what it feels like. These people were facing incredible, difficult situations. And now the Holy Spirit speaks correction. Is this really a good time? Remember, He's the Holy Spirit. No one ever will be comforted so much that they'll be holy. It will never happen. They also need correction. We need those both. We need comfort. Uh, We can't just say, uh, if we use a whip long enough, uh, I was asking my children, um, do you hear about the old lady that lives in a shoe? How many of you know the poem of the old lady who lives in a shoe? Yeah. Yeah. Today, if we would say that poem, it would scar people for the rest of their life, just hearing the poem, right? It's like, boy, these are brutal poems. Uh, But her reaction, spank them all soundly and send them to bed, it's never going to work, right? It, It can't be just correction. There has to be comfort. That's how the Holy Spirit leads, to help us be holy. The fact is, no one here enjoys correction. And the Bible says that right here. No chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. 
But the fact is, no one here should despise correction. And there are some of us who do. I don't mind if you bring comfort, but don't try to correct me. Alright? Hebrews chapter 12 verse 5. And that's all of us at times, right? We don't mind being corrected if, if we got our button a little bit crooked, but tell me something I'm passionate about and I get it wrong and correct me on that. Let me swing back a little at least, right? Hebrews chapter 12 is a sobering passage brought to us by the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, And ye have forgotten the exhortations which speaketh unto you as children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Bastard word means simply an illegitimate son. You're not a true part of the family. If you're not willing to endure chastening, you are a bastard, God says. God says, I chasten every son of mine. Every daughter of mine is chastened. Now the Holy Spirit's chastening us, correcting us, can come to us in a lot of different ways. A person close to me went through a bout with cancer. Their testimony was the Lord was chastening them. Helping to purify them. Now, can we say, well, if you have cancer, then God is purifying you? Can we say, who sinned, this man or his parents? Can't be said. But they knew that as a reality. God was chastening me. And you know, as I look at their lives, their lives cleaned up. They they thought through death differently, and that made them think through life differently. They were chastened. They were hearing what the Spirit was saying to them. Willing to receive and admit correction. Um, This is the struggle we have. One of the last things people are willing to admit is the Lord chastened me. I needed to be purified. When have you heard that last? I have heard it recently from one of you. Though I'm not saying it never happens. I'm just saying you hear that so little. How many of you need purification? Sure, we all do. Is the Holy Spirit chastening you? Are you allowing Him to chasten you? Or are you an illegitimate son saying, I'm not going to receive chastening? As Jesus corrected the churches in Revelation, there was, it was for some, the influence that they had accepted, Jesus was saying, that's got to go. That's not going to happen. And if it does happen, I'll remove your candlestick. For some, it was idolatry that was coming in. For some, it was going against what the church had declared was wrong. You'll see this uh, in two churches. They were eating food offered to idols. He said, that's got to go. They were committing fornication or fulfilling lust in an evil way. That's got to go. He was correcting them. Uh, My question is for us today, and this is for you very personally, What is the Spirit correcting you in your life? 
is God dealing with you as a son? There's nobody here who can say, no, I got this all together. And then, how is God chastening you? Has He corrected you in regards to your cell phone? Has He corrected you in regards to selfishness, to covetousness, to looking after money more than righteousness? The influence that seems normal to accept, has He corrected you? I believe for it's so easy, like the one church, one of the last churches, they were trying to give the impression that they were rich spiritually. They had it together. And Jesus says, you don't understand. You're poor, you're blind, and you're naked spiritually. They don't have anything going for them. And they had to hear the correction. God was dealing with them as a son. How does God bring correction by His Spirit? You know, He brings it in some very astounding ways. Um, First of all, He brings correction through His Word. He brings correction through His servants. He brings correction through our conscience. He brings correction through our health. He even brings correction through our enemies. You ever think about that? If I was playing a game, some of you are half asleep, let's get a game out. A game of Rook. Uh, I found it interesting uh, that all of you are awake now. Game of Rook. Now, I found it interesting that Rook was invented by the company, uh, was it Parker Brothers? I forget the exact company that invented it, but it was invented, in, invented for, this is according to Wikipedia, Puritans and Mennonites. Literally. Like that's what, that's what Wikipedia, read the second sentence. It says Rook, and I think they're right. You know. I don't, I don't know, but I think they're right. Uh, the Puritans and Mennonites refused to play with real cards. Uh, gambling cards. And so Rook cards were invented, uh, to take away the gambling aspect and sell cards, right? That's their key. <clears throat> but they were made for the Puritans and the Mennonites. If I was playing a game of Rook, the original version, which is not what most of us would play, would mean the original version is the Rook is high. Right? If you play a hand and you're, you say, boy, I got this hand. This one's mine. This one's coming to me. You have your 14 on there, which is technically the high card of Rook. Which we, nobody plays that way either. Um, if you have your 14 on there and you say, you know, nobody's gonna beat that. It's mine. And then the next guy pulls out the rook. There's nobody gonna top that. That's his hand. How would it be somebody plays the rook on top of the deck, on top of the round, and they look forward to There's no way you can argue, that's my hand. Your turn is last. You got an idea. I'm going to write something on this card. I'm going to play the perfecto card. That's better than the rook card. That's my hand. Well, that doesn't really work. Right? 
You can't make up a card so that you don't lose. You know what? We play homemade cards all the time. All the time we play homemade cards. They have a point. You know they have a point. It's their hand. But you pull out your perfecto card and say, hey, they're not so perfect either. There. I don't have to listen to them. You know what? Every single one of us. I don't care what color skin you are. I don't care what your last name is. Every single one of us has played this card. A homemade card. I don't need to listen because they're not so good either. And we don't hear what the Spirit is trying to say through a brother, through a sister, through even an enemy. And listen, Habakkuk struggled with this too. Habakkuk said, are you going to God? Are you hearing me, God? Are you going to take a nation more wicked than us to punish us? And God says, you're absolutely right. Ezekiel struggled with that. Wherefore, I will bring the worst of the heathen, and they shall possess their houses. I will also make them the pomp of the strong to cease, and their holy places shall be defiled. Destruction cometh. They shall seek peace, and there shall be zero. Why is it? Because they were not listening to the Holy Spirit. They were refusing. They were playing their homemade cards. Lord, we sacrificed. We did all these things for You. Lord, we're better than them. We're still better than the wicked nations. God says, I'm going to use your enemies. The people that are worse off, right? The people that are less perfect than you. I'm going to bring them to you and correct you. If we receive chastening, friends, it's not because God wants to punch us down. It's because He loves us as His Son. If we're too busy playing our cards, we're not a son. My Bible calls us a bastard. You imagine the cards we play? We all play cards. You know, I know you got a point, but right now I'm down. You can't kick me while I'm down. Right? So that's going to be Trump today. I'm down. You can't kick me while I'm down. Right? You can't bring something that that I don't like to hear because this is Trump today. What you said hurt me. And because what you said hurt me, I'll play my hurt card and we're done here. I win. You say, well, but they shouldn't be hurtful. No, they shouldn't. As God's children, they shouldn't. And neither should we reject the Spirit's moving through any avenue in our life to bring us closer to holiness. Well, if nothing else works, and I'm cornered, this is my last card. You don't understand. And if I play my card that you just don't understand, then the game is over and I get all the hands. 
You, you cannot take anything because you don't understand. <clears throat> I had a friend. Actually, he wasn't much of a friend, to be honest. There was a fellow that I played rook with in Pennsylvania. And when he started losing, I kid you not, every time he started losing, the kid he was sitting here, he had the bid, and he knew he was not going to win. Every time he would take his hand, he would shuffle it into the kitty and says, let's just redeal. I fold. Okay, then let's subtract the score. Nope, that round don't count. I fold. And you can't sort out my cards now because you don't know what they were. <clears throat> Friends, there's a lot of people walking away from churches. There's a lot of people walking away from the Word. There's a lot of people walking away from what they knew and understood was right. Because they say, I fold. If I can't go my way, if I can't have my way and have to listen to what God's Word says, I'm done. But still, through all of this, alright, no matter which card we're playing, all of us can still have a religious front. All of us, we can play the perfecto card. They're not as perfect as me. Uh, they're not so perfect either. And now I can still look religious. I can feel religious. I can go from them. I can condemn them. But through it all, God's Spirit is weeping for us because we're no holier than we were five years ago. And when that becomes our path, we can adhere to some rigid structure that we've been taught. But when we're not becoming holier, it's because the Holy Spirit is not dwelling within us. And that's the raw facts. So when He comes to us and says, hear what the Spirit is speaking to the churches. Uh, he brings comfort. That we can't live without His comfort. He brings correction. We're not His Son without that. Um, you know, we heard the poem often, and it was made famous by Martin Luther King Jr. Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet the scaffold sways the future. Behind the dim unknown standeth God keeping watch above His own. We all look at that, and it's an incredible poem, I would say. But we never have truth on the scaffold. Right? You personally, you never put truth on the scaffold. You never put wrong on the throne. And yet, how many times when God's Spirit has tried to speak into our lives, tried to correct us, we put truth on the scaffold. We can play our cards so it belongs up there. And somehow we don't absorb that truth and embrace that truth and allow it to change our lives. In today's world, we, we look at, do you have insurance of salvation? Uh, people say, well, if I have assurance of salvation, it's because I prayed a prayer um, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 1 year ago. I prayed a prayer. So I, because of that prayer, I can be assured of salvation. Um, we pray a prayer. That's the only way to receive salvation. There's, we, we must call on the name of the Lord. That's the only way we're saved. But today, if you're His Son, it's more than something that you did 10, 15, 20 years ago. Today, if you're His Son, you're hearing His voice. And he, you allow Him to correct us. 
And if we don't hear His voice of correction, whether it be internet, whether it be cell phone, whether it be thought life, whether it be whatever it is, whether it be loving your wife, whether it be submitting to your husband, if we don't hear that correction, we're a bastard. There's a reason that we're struggling with assurance of salvation. Revelation, turn back to chapter 2 one more time. There's something else that the Holy Spirit speaks to each church. I do want to say with a correction, the Pharisees were somebody who were correction, uh, they were obsessed with correcting others of their own opinions. I mean, they had opinions coming out their ears, right? And out their mouth. And they were trying to correct people based on their opinions. You shouldn't do this and this and this on Sunday, and it's not because the Word says, but because I said. You have to be pretty careful going in that direction. But truth should always correct us. We need to be careful of correcting an opinion. Revelation chapter 2, look at verse 7. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life. Look at verse 11. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Verse 26. He that overcometh and keepeth my words unto the end, to him will I give the power over the nations. Verse 28. I will give him the morning star. Chapter 3, verse 5. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Verse 12, He that overcometh, him that overcometh, will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from God. And I will write upon him my new name. And verse 21, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. Friends, the last thing that the Spirit brought to each one of these churches, even the carnal ones, even the ones who had it together, the last thing that He brought was the promise. He brought comfort, He brought correction, but He left every one of them with a promise. If you overcome, you have no idea. You can't even comprehend in this life the things that I have in store for you. I'd like to just give you a taste, is what he's saying. And this is amazing, because there's no one here who says, Oh, I deserve that. All of us here are unworthy servants. And yet he comes to us, the Holy Spirit comes to us, and says, here's a promise. The tree of life, not hurt by the second death. Exalted. He says, I'm going to have you sit with me on my throne, even as I sat down on my Father's throne. Uh, Amazing. He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. That's a promise from the Holy Spirit to these churches. I will confess your name before the Father and all his angels. That's a promise to the churches from the Holy Spirit. Promises, correction, and comfort. If we're led by the Spirit of God, we are the sons of God. The question is, is if somebody hangs around you day after day, month after month, week after week, whatever it is, do they see an evidence of your becoming holier? There's things changing. That'll never happen without correction, without receiving instruction. Over and over in Proverbs, he says, My son, hear the instruction. 
Despise not the correction of the Lord, neither faint when thou art reproved of Him. For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. Who is this message from? This message was from the Spirit to the churches. Um, the letters are in red because it's spoken of, of the Trinity. But it says, Hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. This message was from the Spirit to the churches. But three things were spoken to all the churches. I know was said to all seven churches. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, listen, change, make a difference in your life. And the third thing that he spoke to all the churches was he that overcometh. I'm telling you, there's a promise there that's just amazing. And I'm trust, I trust that because you're in tune with the Spirit, you're excited about the promise. Some days you have to look up and remember that promise, and that's why the Holy Spirit came and spoke these promises again to these people. If you're able to this morning, would you kneel for prayer? Father in heaven, we come into your presence this morning, and we're so grateful that You have made a way of salvation, that we can be saved. We don't have to be miserable in sin, but we can be redeemed with new life and joy. And most of all, that we can be holy because of the Holy Spirit that can come and dwell within our hearts. Lord, forgive us for the times when we're in the game of life. We're making up our own cards. And we think it's against others, but in all reality, it's against Your correction. Lord, help us to be open and receiving and hearing what the Spirit is saying to the churches, and that it would minister into each of our hearts as we go through the week. Help us, Lord, to be mindful of your promise and your comfort. And we thank you for these two things as well. In Jesus' name, amen.